Welcome to Management Matters, a National Academy of Public Administration podcast where policy meets practice. I'm Terry Gurton, President of the Academy. On this episode, I'll discuss the intergovernmental aspects of reopening after COVID-19 with my guest, Beth Keller. Beth is a fellow of the Academy and is both the Director of Public Policy and the Deputy Executive Director at ICMA. Beth, thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, Terry, it's my pleasure. I'm really pleased that you're doing these podcasts. It's very, very good timing. Well, we never run out of exciting people like you to talk to uh, when we think about the fellows. (laughs) In fact, one of the things that makes the Academy somewhat unique among good government groups is that we have, as our fellows, public leaders like you with experience at all the different levels of government, both federal, state, and local. But you come from more of the local government background with a deep expertise in supporting that level of government through nonprofit associations. So let's start by having you tell us a little bit about your experience in local government. I started my career with the city of Sunnyvale, California. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. Um, It's right in Silicon Valley. So we were in the hub of innovation and we had people coming from all over to look at our total performance management system and, and to see the different ways that we were trying to use technology, and this is back in the late 70s, uh, to deal with everything uh, that was going on at the time. We also had a problem because we didn't have a daily newspaper. We were a city of over 100,000 in the Bay Area, and yet there was really no way for residents to get information. So we made special efforts to have community engagement. We had a quarterly newsletter that went out to citizens And uh, one of the things I really enjoyed was working on a new directions for Sunnyvale, which was a big um, community-wide effort to set the stage for the future of the community. So that's where I got my start before going to ICMA, uh, where I've had the chance to do many things over the years, Uh, currently Director of Public Policy. And I also had a 10-year opportunity to launch the Center for State and Local Government Excellence, where I still serve as a senior fellow and work on issues related to the workforce of the future for state and local governments. So I've had a fun career. Well, it sounds like you're the perfect person to ask my next question then, um, because the coronavirus pandemic is really challenging every level of government, but city and county governments are really struggling. So what do you see as the biggest both issues and opportunities for city and county leaders as they look to both recover and then to reopen? At the local government level, we are on the front lines dealing with the public health crisis. And that's everything from making sure that our public health workers are safe. And a lot of times people don't even think about the other essential workers, like the people who operate our water and sewer systems, for example. If if you have highly skilled, experienced people who don't have a lot of backup and you have to quarantine that becomes a huge problem. So we've really been uh, dealing with it both as a community issue, but also as a workforce issue. Um, You think about Kirkland, Washington, where we had the first reports of all those terrible uh, deaths in the nursing home. Uh, We had first responders who also had to self-quarantine. And how were we still going to respond to the 911 calls when two-thirds of the uh, first responders were quarantined? Fortunately, they had enough people willing and able to work overtime, and they got through it. But that's the kind of uh, first-line challenge that comes with the public health crisis. 
And I guess the second thing right at the top of my list, this is Mental Health Month. And our um, ICMA has 13,000 members, city and county managers throughout the world, but uh, very heavily in the U.S. And one of our problems right now is just the unrelenting stress of this work. And of course, we're well aware of it for people who are responding to the calls and that sort of thing. But you think about the city and county managers with that that kind of um, stress, worrying about their personnel, worrying about their community, how do we reopen safely? All of those stress points are are really taking a toll on on our leaders. And I I think that the most immediate challenge right now that's facing uh, many of our local governments is the whole reopening question. Um, In some cases, they they really have no choice but to reopen, um, but in other cases, they do have a choice. And, and so when and how you do that, the manager is always in the middle. You have on the one hand, people saying you're up me too soon. You have on the other hand, desperate people who feel like their businesses are going to go under if they can't reopen. It's, it's really a high stress point. And doing it right is, is no easy uh, thing to accomplish. Well, you made a couple of really interesting points there about What's different in being a city and county manager is that you're so close to the people both that you serve and that you work with that the stress has become really personal, both from a mental health perspective and um, with a new appreciation for who are these essential workers. Yeah, it is a challenge when you're on the front lines and, and you think about facilities. Uh, everybody wants to get back to using swimming pools. They want their uh, parks to reopen. They want playgrounds to reopen. So we want to do that, but how do we do it safely? Um, that's one of the topics we had uh, as one of our webinars just in the last few days was some things to think about whether you're reopening uh, City Hall or you're reopening reopening a facility where the public uh, is going to be present. So Beth, we talked about how complicated it is to be a county manager um, and deal with their local challenges but the intergovernmental aspects of the pandemic response where every level of government needs to work together to meet the the national needs really seems to be a challenge these days. And sort of, as you mentioned, we're seeing governors issue reopening guidance that cities then have a different response to and may in fact choose to further restrict. So how do city and county leaders maintain a balance in that world with what they need to do to meet their their residents' requirements with how they need to interact with state and maybe even federal levels of government? I guess I would just kind of back up first and say that in an ideal world, we would have a national strategy and we would be approaching this with some shared view of the best way forward. Uh, We're a complicated country and um, I think there are a lot of reasons that we have tensions in our system. Um, But it really is difficult for some local government uh, situations to operate when perhaps you really have see in your own jurisdiction, the cases are going up, there's pressure to open from the state, and uh, perhaps you feel like you are really between a rock and a hard place. And 
you know, cities and counties are creatures of the state. So if there's a dispute between a state law and and the local law, the state law trumps, and and that can even be true in a public health emergency. It's not true in every state, but in some states. We we found that out in uh, Georgia, where um, I think, you know, there's been a lot of tension in that state between what some of the local governments were experiencing and, and the state, and that's been hard. So even um, as cities within states experience different um, scenarios with the pandemic, different levels of infection, maybe, how do they manage transit between cities within states? How do they manage across? As, as you say, we're very complicated and we've got lots of different places and lots of different levels of reopening. How do city and county managers address the inflow, outflow? How do they keep that all straight? One of the strengths of the local government management community is they talk to each other. And you can see that readily in this Washington, D.C. area where we're really pretty much all on the same page. The D.C. government, the Northern Virginia communities, the Maryland communities that are close to um, the nation's capital are all moving a little bit more slowly than the overall state strategy in either Maryland or Virginia. So, so having that kind of strong network that exists before you have an emergency of any kind is one of the ways that I think we can do a reasonably good job in, in coming up with workarounds for challenging situations. I mean, when you're talking about, you know, travel from one place to another, that's, that's posing some really interesting uh, situations. And I know that at one point in Florida, you know, they were actually stopping people on highways uh, because they had certain states where they did not want to allow anybody into the state of Florida from, let's say, New York or New Jersey. Um, I know that in other states that are very dependent on tourism, you know, right now they have some very strict protocols in place, even if the state itself is experiencing fewer cases. On the other hand, they don't want people to bring in new cases from out of state. So a lot of us enjoy going to Maine in the summer. and Unless the governor changes her mind, right now there's a two-week quarantine required for anybody who wants to come into Maine uh, when they're in that level two phase of reopening, not level one. We're talking about even the level two phase. So I, I know there's a lot of discussion back and forth between uh, the, the people who depend on tourism and the governor to see, look, we want to keep everybody safe, but is there another way we can approach this without completely shutting down out-of-state tourism? Well, they've got a lot on their plate, don't yeah. they? Um, and you mentioned earlier some webinars. How does ICMA work with cities and counties to help meet their needs and to help get them sort of information, best practices? How do you share all that with, with your constituency? So we have been all hands on deck as you might imagine, ever since uh, early March, when uh, we became aware of how serious the situation was, one of the ways that we quickly were able to get information out was through um, webinars. And that proved to be a really good way to get information out quickly. We started with public health. We moved on to topics like um, your local economy, what you can do to support that, Almost anything you can think of uh, from dealing with your own stress to engaging the community to using uh, virtual uh, tech 
home town hall meetings to to bring people together and hold your uh, community engagement. We've had we've had a webinar on it. And if you look at our website, you'll also see we even have like like a number of the other national associations, a whole coronavirus um, area. So you can go in, you can find our blog posts and articles. You can you can look down and see what the federal advice has been, because one of the things that that has been very confusing for um, city and county managers is all the legislation. And, it you know, many times it's wonderful, but. How do we how do we stay in compliance? What does it mean? What are the opportunities? So we did a very well attended webinar on the CARES Act when that came out. We had another webinar uh, just a couple of weeks ago on the employment law changes in the Families First Act, which um, has been you know challenging for a lot of public and private employers to get their arms around. So yeah, we're we're all things all the time, and I think it. Actually, I think our problem is almost too much information uh, because I, I think it can be, if you're on the receiving end of all this information, I feel like drinking from a fire hose. How do we how do we sift it to the point where it's really useful to the person on the front lines dealing with so many things, but wanting to make it easy for them to find that exact piece of information that they need or to learn from a colleague? Uh, we also have something called Connect ICMA, which... I've noticed a lot of our smaller communities really like, and it's it's just an online way for um, someone who goes in and says, I have a question about sports facilities. Anybody have a policy on that? Uh, what are you doing about um, this situation? And, and so it's a, it's a kind of a safe place for people to easily exchange ideas and information in, in real time. Well, keeping up with the real-time changes is, yeah. is a full-time job for, I'm sure, a full staff. Yeah. Um, and so it's great to know that there are these resources out there. And so we've talked a lot about the C in, in, in the International Cities and Counties Managers Association, those cities and counties. But we haven't talked much about the I, the international aspect of yeah. your work. So what are you seeing as you look across cities internationally as they respond to the pandemic? So we we do have um, members all over the world, and we have projects that we're doing in different parts of the world. And it is a real advantage to have that front view of what's going on in another area. So one of the things that we observed early on was reopening started in Europe, uh, for instance, before it has started in the U.S. So what are they doing there? What might we learn from them? And Vilnius, the capital of Lithuania, was allowing their restaurants and cafes to use public spaces, you know, not just the streets, but also other public spaces so they could expand into them uh, with tables that are socially distant. So when you're encouraging people to come and enjoy their local restaurants again, they can do it in a socially distant and safe way. I'm really interested in how the Danish uh, experience goes because they've reopened their schools. And uh, that was one of the examples that we put out onto our uh, website. Um, The manager there uh, said that they began to open their schools April 20th. And they did it in consultation uh, with all kinds of organizations because if you really want to do things right, you need to cast a wide net and engage the people and the organizations that that can help you. So they have 
to, they say to ensure safety, they have extra facilities, they have soap dispensers and other disinfectants available in all corners of their units. Um, and they're also using alternative outdoor classrooms to ensure there's a minimum of two meters of distance between individuals. So I thought that was really interesting. And the other thing that they they did that I'm not seeing us do in the United States yet, but they've they've decided to focus on local infrastructure investment uh, as a way to putting people back to work as quickly as possible. Um, in, in the U.S., uh, it'd be really great if we had a national infrastructure uh, initiative because I think nothing would be better. And, you know, just to be an advocate for local governments, we'd also like to restore advance refunding of bonds because if you can refinance your bonds at a lower interest rate, the money that you save allows you to invest in another infrastructure project. So to me, it just seems like a, a win-win, but we lost that in the 2017 uh, Tax Act, and uh, we're just hoping that it might get it come up for reconsideration in these times. Well, um, and so clearly, let's kind of shift a little bit into that same topic. ICMA also serves sort of as an advocacy group for city and county managers and the issues that they face. So while the pandemic's really shifted every nonprofit organization's agenda, it seems like a lot of what was on ICMA's priority list is maybe even more relevant now. Um, How are you looking to move forward? What are you focused on for, for the future agenda? So in, there's kind of a lot of ways to think about that. There's the immediate, the near term, and the long term. Immediately, we're very focused on making sure that our local governments are communicating with their senators um, because we have the HEROES Act that just passed in the, in the House that would provide direct, flexible aid to state and local governments. We've lost a lot of revenue related to the COVID-19 and uh, the CARES Act, as, as uh, good as that is, does not allow any of that money to be used to backfill the revenue losses. So that's that's one of our biggest problems is, you know, our fiscal constraints because we have to have balanced budgets. And um, it, it, it would really be unfortunate, and it's starting to happen, to add more layoffs from local and state governments to the others who are being laid off, especially when you think we would want to have our essential services be as robust as possible in these times. So we're pushing hard to make sure that our senators understand the the actual reality on the ground in local governments, because it's, um, I I think there's, economists would agree that this is a time where the last thing you want to do is um, push more people onto the unemployment ranks. It just doesn't make any sense. So that's near term. And then Medium term, you know, and, and right now as well, we're really focused on anything we can do to help the local economy recover. And we're seeing a lot of local governments dig into their operating budgets to give money to their local businesses. And they don't have money to spare, but the, the logic is, okay, if we can help our local businesses recover, then perhaps that will help our taxes return. Um, and I think the estimate is that one out of every four small business uh, may well fold permanently by July 1st. So if you're a local leader and and you're looking at your main street uh, going under, 
you're going to do pull out all the stops. Um, and I, and I hate to see people postponing their capital investments, like not fixing the roof in order to support a small business. But I even understand that because that's going on in some places. Then, then in the longer term, I think there's some really interesting things that ICMA and others are looking at. And that has to do with what 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 is it that we're learning in this uh, stay-at-home world where here we are having a Zoom conversation, uh, the two of us, and who you and I've never had that kind of interaction before, and it's really kind of wonderful. And this is happening in a in a whole variety of ways. We're we're holding uh, public hearings in in a virtual way where we're able to get feedback. I serve on an advisory board for Montgomery County, and we had our our Zoom meeting last night with one of our council members. And and the comment that we all made was, in some respects, it was like easier to have that meeting because, okay, it was too early to start with 7 p.m. You barely have time to finish with your day work and have a bite to eat. Um, But at least you didn't have to get in the car and drive someplace to some random cafeteria. You could have a, a pretty good conversation in that way. So I think the 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 way to work differently is with us forever. And I think that we'll find local governments included uh, will be doing more telework. And it may not be as many as the private sector, but you may see, you know, 20% of a local government uh, workforce working from home. And that will be partly by choice and partly by necessity, because as we know, once we do reopen our offices, we need more space, we need to socially distance. And, and so it's, it's not going to be a good idea to bring back too many people um, into that small space. So you're going to see staggered schedules. There's going to be a lot of creativity applied to both our physical environment, as well as just the way that we work and communicate with each other. And, and technology, wow, we're going to have a huge explosion, I think, of technology. And the issue is, will we have the investments that we need to do things right? Well, there's a lot of intersection with the things that you just talked about there with the Academy's 12 grand challenges in public administration. And, you know, some that just sort of roll off the tip of my tongue. Building resilient communities, right? What does yeah. resilience look like as we come out of this and managing the nation's long-term health. But even, I'm really interested in that last point you made about um, ways to work differently, new models of governance and public engagement. Are you seeing that the situation now is really sort of jump-starting the average resident's interest in their local government and how they can be engaged? I don't know if it's changing that. Um, But I do know that with all of this experimentation going on, it may well open up some avenues. One of the things we worry about, and this is one of your grand challenges, is the social equity side. Because, uh, you know, how do we engage those residents who don't have internet access and and who are, you know, really cut off in, in so many ways? So what I love about the world I inhabit is you'll see a lot of initiative taking place in places like Minneapolis, uh, where they will be setting up Wi-Fi hubs uh, in a whole variety of places so that there, there are more places freely available where people can get access. How I mean, the homeschooling is just insane, but can you imagine 
as hard as it is for a working parent who has internet access, what, what are we doing about all these kids whose families don't have internet access? It's, it's really quite concerning in a whole variety of ways. So, so the social equity uh, for sure has gotten our attention and that's one of the areas that I know both NAPA and ICMA are, are very focused on. Um, and, and there's some interesting things that are already in play at the local government level that I think will apply uh, post-pandemic. Uh, San Antonio, Texas, as you may or may not know, has a, a budget equity tool that they're using to make some of their uh, decisions. And so you can imagine as we're looking at the vulnerable populations who were affected disproportionately, our minority communities that were disproportionately affected, having that lens of how do we, how do we make the right investments? How do we compensate for some of these problems is, is going to be ever more important. Well, Beth, thanks for wrapping us up on that really important topic, because as you're, as you say, the, the equity impacts both of the virus itself and how we recover from it are going to be with us for a long time. And thinking our way through it on the front end is going to be so important. Thanks for everything that you and the International City and County Managers Association are doing to help our, our local governments really get this right. And thanks for being with us today. Thanks, uh, Terry. And, and I do hope NAPA and ICMA and others can work together because we really need an after-action analysis of this pandemic. We're just starting to get through the first wave and we need to be better prepared for the second. So thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely right. Thanks, Beth. Bye. For our listeners, uh, check back every Monday for a new podcast from the Academy. We'll be talking to Academy Fellows each week about the challenges facing public administrators at every level of government as we try to make government work and work for all. Thanks for listening.